Oh, frig me. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the 31st edition of Cinema Effect. I'm Zach, and I'm joined by Disney's number one hater, Jaden. How's it going? Good, I'm good. And Paul Thomas Anderson's number one fanboy, a.k.a. Fitzy, a.k.a. Mr. Liam. Hey. I don't know, I've got a strange sense of deja vu. Are you guys feeling this? or? Yeah, glitch in the Matrix. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Oh, well, I don't know what that's about, but anyway... For the uninitiated, this is Cinema Effect, the podcast where we review and talk about a different movie every single Monday. You can find us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Music. Subscribe and all those things. Follow the Instagram page, like the YouTube video, tell your friends about the show, spread the gospel of the Cinema Effect lore, our Bible, if you will. Please do that. Remember to submit your questions, thoughts, reviews for next week's film in the YouTube comments section. But as always, we have our specific question of the week. And uh, this, is a, this is a different one this week, all right? So I'm going to try and find a way to word it more succinctly in the pinned comment, okay? But bear with me, all right? So this was Jane's idea. It's a great question. The age-old question of, should adaptations of novels remain as faithful as they can to their source, or do you dislike creative liberty being used to change the story up, create something new? You know, does it bother you when a film comes out of a book you like and shit's changed in it? Let us know in the comments down below about your opinions on that one. Uh, this week, we're reviewing, what the hell is it called? The Revenant. That's it. Which in itself is an adaptation. It is, that's right. Do you know what the, was the book called The Revenant 2? I'm pretty sure it was. Okay, yeah, yeah. But but then the book is also based on true events, right? Yeah. Like, loosely, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get into that because I know old mate Hugh Glass was a real bloke. So the film opened in the US on January 8th, 2016. It was directed by Alejandro G. Dude, like, anyone want to attempt that surname? Any? Oh, oh great. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, its genre is survival drama. I put that down. IMDb said action. I thought that was complete nonsense. So anyway, mm. and the synopsis is a frontiersman on a fur trading expedition in the 1820s fights for survival after being mauled by a bear and left for dead by members of his own hunting team. That he does. That he does. Uh, how do we feel about The Revenant? I'll start with you, Jaden, because you've seen the movie properly before. Oh, I think it's magnificent. I, I, I really love it. I, like, I really do. I think... Um... I I I just don't know where to start with it, um, but it's 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 just brilliant and and large, and you just it's it's just you know it 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 feels like an epic, but without you know before our time length of an epic, you know. Granted, it is pretty long, but right still, I don't know. Yeah, it, it, I just think it's great. Well, it it is pretty close to like traditional epic length, I think. Yeah, it's two and a half, yeah, like three yeah. hours kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. getting there. It's almost an epic. How about that? What about you, Fitzy? Wait, Fitzy, had you seen the movie before? I don't remember. Yeah. Okay. Well, I remember uh, I asked my, uh, that question. The films that people like that you didn't. didn't like? Yeah, you didn't oh. like much. Right, 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 okay. Yeah, I don't know. I still think yeah, it's, just a, it's just a bit boring for me. Uh, although I like parts of it and I, really, I mean, the technical elements are great, 
and I like like when Re- when Leo gets back, I really like the last like forty five minutes. I think that's good, but yeah, I'm still like mixed on it. I guess. Yeah, I'm mixed on it too. I'm with you. I'd seen the first hour of this movie for sure. As it went on, I was thinking to myself. I started doubting how much of it I had actually seen, and then I realized I had seen up to the bear attack before, I think, which isn't very far in the movie. Um, so this is basically my first time watching it, and I don't know, yeah, I'm mixed on it too. It absolutely feels big, and I think that's its biggest strength. I appreciate the technical aspects as well, everything that kind of went into creating this sort of visceral survival experience for, for the viewer. I think they nailed that, and... I think, you know, the director and shit has talked about everything that they did to shoot this on location and only using natural light and things like that to really enhance the way that's captured on film. And I think they nail all that side of it. And I think that's awesome. But the story is just such a mess, in my opinion. I don't really understand what's interesting about this story or about any of these characters whatsoever. And... I was definitely bored like you, Fitzy, a lot of the time. And I was trying to think about why that is outside of just, I don't know, it's boring. Because, I don't know, I kind of came to the the solution in my head that what's going on, what Leo goes through to get back to the camp and then get his revenge on old mate Tom Hardy, as it's kind of playing out, moment to moment, it's just kind of uninteresting. like. Leo walks somewhere, makes it to some other, you know, river or something, finds food. I don't know. It just feels all really drawn out and really uneventful, even though it is visually spectacular. I was definitely feeling feeling the, the length of that at times as well. And, yeah, I, I like I like the last bit the most in the movie, like you, Fitzy. But the issue that I have with it is you you said it was the last 45 minutes. I swear to god, I could be wrong. I don't want to I don't want to speak with certainty. But I was paying attention to the time and I swear to god like Leo only makes it back to the camp in the last 25 minutes, 20 minutes or something. And I'm like, "Wow, I really could have used this earlier in the movie." But uh I, does does the boredom aspect at all affect you, Jane? It doesn't really sound like. Oh, it. yeah, no, no, it does. Like um it's certainly crept into it quite often. But I think that in the moment I kind of feel it, but then, you know, kind of in reflection, cause as, as, as I examine it as a whole, you know, you kind of just, it's, you kind of forget about the boringness of it as you, like, as when you look at it as, as, as an entire journey. And because it's like, it's like you were saying. Yeah, I see at, that. If you look at it as like the, you know, the the point to point of Leo's journey it, it it can it can get rather dull, but you know if you just I I think in reflection I like it much more than I than when watching it you know and so like in my yeah. mind as I think back to it the boredom kind of erases itself but it was definitely there while watching it yeah yeah I see that looking back at the big picture for sure and you kind of think about the entire yeah journey like you said the entire bloody expedition of survival it definitely is it's something to behold and that's where all you know then then that's where the visuals come to mind for me immediately this movie is absolutely stunning um the friggin location scout the location scouting team whatever they did a tremendous job with 
making every location just feel, I don't know, just feel so real, feel so visceral, I guess is the best word for, you know, how the characters experience their environment. I thought it was really great in that way. But uh, on a moment-to-moment level, I don't know, I feel like if someone was really immersed in every single moment, if this makes sense, like, I think, so I guess we all agree that, yeah, in the moment-to-moment thing, we're just kind of like, eh, whatever. I feel like there is definitely an audience for this movie of you're in on every single moment. You're kind of really engrossed in Leo trying to survive this. I reckon this movie would be up that person's alley so much, but yeah, it, that, I wasn't really that. It's for people that like Bear Grylls. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, Bear Grylls, dude, he'd love this movie. Yeah. But let's get the visual stuff out of the way, I suppose. Uh, speaking of Bear Grylls, dude, that's CG Bear. I just want to, let's just, <laughs> that was one hell of a CG Bear. I loved it. I mean, yeah, if if you're like, you, you can really feel the weight of the bear when it comes near the camera, like the way that as it breathes, it kicks up dirt onto the lens and you, you can really, f- it, it feels very intimate, you know, with the bear, you know? Oh, definitely. Definitely. And, and that's a credit to the direction, I think, of, of that sequence. The sequence goes for a long time too, which is even more impressive. And uh, Leo's performance as well. He's basically, you know, acting that entire thing by himself. I thought it was really great. Um, I did find it weird. I did a bit of research into this just to, I wanted to kind of hear from the VFX guys about the bear. because I was so impressed by it. And I, I found it, it was weird to find that old mate Alejandro, the director, uh, who also directed Birdman, fantastic movie. And, he said something along the lines of apparently like he didn't want to reveal how they did the bear sequence to not like expose the the visceral nature of the movie or something. And I was just kind of thinking to myself, what are you, are you is he trying to suggest that we're meant to believe that they had a real bear or something? Like, yeah, it's obviously CG. No, Leo actually got mauled. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, we'll keep a secret how we shot this thing. It's like, yeah. well, otherwise there's a lawsuit against him, you know? That's why, you know, it was a real bear. He actually got mauled, and they don't want to open up a lawsuit. That's why it's a secret. Exactly, exactly, yeah. <laughs> but uh, oh, but in, in that research, I found um, someone, dude, I don't know, some freaking higher up at ILM, I guess. But he, he was talking about how their aim from a visual effects point of view with the movie was to create a VFX experience that didn't at all feel like a VFX experience. And... I think with that in mind, they nailed that. They nailed that bear sequence. Um, I would presume that th- th- there has to be other CG in the movie. Were the I assume that all the bisons and wolves and shit, they were all CG probably too, right? Yeah, probably, mm. yeah. Yeah, oh, I'm doubting myself. I think so. I think the way they were kind of interacting with each other seemed pretty, pretty wild. Yeah, I don't think he, like... I mean, like, like the, the the when the wolves take down the bison, that's some David Attenborough shit. So unless they were waiting there for like three months, I yeah. don't think they would have got that. <laughs> that was yeah, that was David Attenborough shit. So yeah, anyway, great bear, great bear, and uh, but outside of that, the opening shots, um, we get these Leo. I don't know, I don't know what, what would you call it? like. They're not even really dream sequences. I don't know, like flashback flashes of moments in his past life. I guess injury induced delirium. Character. Oh, that's dude nailed it. That's perfect. We get a lot of that. That's all you know. Really well shot. Really interesting. And the entire opening sequence. uh, Am I right to say is this kind of a semi 
famous, well-regarded opening sequence because it deserves to be. It was it was terrific. That ambush, opening with the uh, kind of the tracking shot of Leo and his son, and, and heading into that US camp and that attack and the, and the violence of it all and the way it was choreographed and so many long takes throughout that entire thing as they the uh, the small group left escapes. I was grouped by all that stuff immediately. It was a great way to open the movie. The the shot that always sticks in my mind when thinking about the film is like when uh, after they escape, as as the camera's coming back to you know the site of the clash, as it pans up to you know the birds and it comes back down and it's you know the aftermath, like you know of like a few hours. That's right. It's just so yeah. spectacular. And I mean, like they do a similar thing with a uh, Birdman. You know, that's how they bridge the shots there. But um, yeah, it, it, like the way they did it here is it, just glorious. Oh, definitely. I, I love a good using CG to hide cuts like that. Yeah, it's awesome. I think um, with this film, more than others I've seen in the past or that I can think at the moment, the music elevates the visuals to another degree because I think with uh, the score, it, it, it kind of feels more like a soundscape at time and like it, it kind of, it really feels like the music does build upon the massiveness of the, you know, the mountains and the surrounding area and like, the bleakness of it all. And so like, I, I really feel like had, you know, had, had that not been there, they wouldn't have been as inf- as effective, especially like in like shots of just, you know, when Leo's walking across that, I don't know, field, I don't know what you call it, but, um, and, and like, there's just like, it's just ranges all around him and it just feels massive. And, uh, yeah. you know, the, the score just does so much to enhance that. Totally, totally, yeah. No, the, the scale of everything and the score totally enhances the scale. Um, it's terrific. They shot the movie in... Oh, here we go. Hang on, I got trivia about it. Here we go, perfect. Due to production being behind schedule, the snow melted during the location shoot in Canada before filming was complete. So, yeah, dude, the, all the location scouting there was phenomenal. But, yeah, same goes for this next one. With summer rapidly approaching, there was no choice but to relocate the entire production to southern Argentina where there were similar wintry conditions. I don't think of Argentina as having that sort of terrain at all, but, dude, I don't know anything about Argentina, so I was surprised to hear that. Yeah, I just think of Argentina and escape Nazis. <laughs> That's right, yeah, yeah. So I love the opening. I love the bear attack. After that, the movie definitely falls off. I don't want to say falls off a cliff like Leo and his horse did, hey? But uh, that was a weird moment. Yeah, but, they uh, went full uh, uh, Han Solo and Hoth and, you know, slice that. Exactly. Joke. Yo, when uh, when that happened, I thought about that Empire Strikes Back moment immediately. But then I read in the trivia, I don't think I wrote it down, but I read in the trivia that apparently, like, that moment in Empire Strikes Back was inspired by Hugh Glass doing that in real life. So that got, like, super meta. Uh, that was cool. The Wampa was the bear. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, no, I don't think the movie fell off a cliff afterwards. It kind of, it kind of rolled a bit down, down, down a, a steep hill, we'll say, for me after that. I just, I don't like Tom Hardy in this movie at all. His performance is fine. He's just kind of pissed off dude who's bitter about everything. He, he, his character is just so paper thin to me. Of, I'm a selfish bad guy in this movie and i like money cool dude whatever and he just it's just so 
it's just so one-dimensional to me. I don't know. The whole time, he's just clearly a dick. When he says he's going to stay with Leo's body, he's clearly, wow, I, I totally trust this dude to do the right thing by old mate Leo and his son here. And then, I don't know, the movie just continues to insist to give us these like monologue moments with him, like we're exploring his character or some shit, like his character has depth. I don't know, I'm sounding, I'm sounding quite pessimistic here, but uh, do, I know you're Tom Hardy. Uh, are you Tom Hardy's number one fanboy, Jaden? Is that... Uh, I wouldn't say number one, but I reckon I'm up there, like top ten. Sure, maybe number seven. Yeah, yeah, about that. Yeah, Six, yeah. seven, yeah. yeah. Because yeah, no, I don't want to shit on his performance. I don't want to make it sound like I just think the performance was totally fine. I didn't have an issue with it, but uh, I, I did have an issue with this character, whatever the hell his name was, Fitzgerald. That's right. I don't know. How, how did you guys feel about Fitzgerald? Because I feel like he is such a key component to the movie that falls flat for me. Yeah, I. I, I... I think there's issues with the character like, more than what it is. With, I mean, I think Tom Hardy played brilliantly, and I think, but and, and like I understand some of the issues with the character, but I, I I don't feel entirely the same way because I think that his selfishness isn't necessarily selfish. It's 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 pragmatic, you know. It's reasonable. I mean, in 1820, if someone's gonna fucking get mauled by a bear, you know, you shouldn't be surviving that shit. I mean, he was being very sensible in saying, "Leave him. Let's just fuck off." And I mean, like that, and for that reason, I can't really entire like perceive him as entirely selfish. Um, yeah, right. And I mean, even he even wanted to mercy kill. I mean, you know, uh, DiCaprio. And I mean, like, yeah, like like it is selfish. I in in the end, I guess, like when when you kind of you know when it comes to the bottom of it, it is. But I think that it was it was it was driven by very valid motives. And I mean, you know, he could have, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess it's the killing of Hawk as well. It, it, it kind of... Because I, I, I don't think he was meant to be a villain, but the killing of Hawk kind of made him a villain more than just what, you know, other than just, a, you know, uh, an adversary or, or you know, some something for a protagonist to overcome or some shit, you know? Mm. You know, mm. to me, he doesn't feel like he should be a villain, but because he killed Hawk, he became one. Yeah, definitely. And I think just generally... Like I would, I hundred percent agree with you from like a grounded perspective, dude. I'm I'm with this guy hundred percent. I'm not freaking sticking by old mate Hugh Glass. I'm out of there, and and that is selfishness that's totally justified. Like I don't really, I don't have take an issue with that at all. It's just I feel like the movie makes such a strong effort to position him as egregiously terrible in stabbing Hawk, in the way he monologues constantly, leaves people behind kind of manipulates whoever the friggin' who's uh the Toy Story guy? What's his name? The friggin' other dude? Oh god. The guy from the villains. Is yeah. that what he's is he in that? Yeah, he's also in Midsummer and uh Ah. Oh. He's in Bandersnatch as well, isn't he? Yeah. Oh that's oh. right he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, he is really good. But yeah, oh sorry, I got you dude, he looks exactly like Sid from Toy Story, right? Yeah, a bit. That always cracked me up. I've seen that comparison before and I can't get it out of my head ever. But uh, Tom Hardy manipulating him and stuff and then he, you know, he cops flack for it, obviously. But I don't think it's entirely, like, many, like, yeah, it's manipulating him. But once again, it's, 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 it's to save him, you know? I mean, Mm. like, you know, like, we actually do see the Pawnees come through that camp a few days later. So had they not left, they would have been fucked anyway. So, I mean, like, he was right. Yeah, that's, that's fair. That's fair. 
No, you make yeah, you're making good points here. I don't know. I just still feel like everything he does, like when he arrives back at camp and he steals old mate Dom Old Gleason's money and shit. I know it just. I do feel like the movie's just trying to get me to strongly dislike him in every way, shape, and form. Even even if you know his choices are somewhat reasonable, or actually very reasonable. Um, where it's just kind of yeah, I don't know. I do take issue with the lack of depth in that. I guess. Because, especially when I take issue with this entire movie being presented as a revenge quest, to be totally honest, because I never at one point felt that this was a revenge quest until the last 20 minutes, when Leo arrives back at the camp and he talks, you know, and him and Dom Hall convene about what's going on and then they go out to get Tom Hardy. I'm like, okay, well, this is where the revenge is in play here. But before that, I feel like Leo's just stumbling around the woods trying to survive. And that's totally fine, but that's not really a revenge quest. I never really got the sense in that moment. Obviously, he hated Tom Hardy for killing his son, but I never got the sense in that moment he's on some sort of epic journey to kill Tom Hardy. I disagree with that. Do you think so? Do you think that's what he's trying to do the whole time? Yeah, I mean, like that's. I feel like that's the only reason that he's he, he moved from, you know, his what was meant to be his deathbed. I mean... It was to crawl over to his son and then, you know, after spending his moment there. I actually hadn't thought about that, though, properly, because that is true. He does obviously have this moment with his son. In the moment, I just took it as, okay, naturally, he's pissed. His son's dead. Cool. And then, I don't know, I think there is something to read into there, though. I think you're right, where it's like, okay, that is what's driving him to continue pushing forward. I just, I don't know, the movie didn't really present that to me that strongly or convey that to me strongly. I think I think with his del- with his delirium, I think it kind of enhances that as he thinks back to the way that you know his his wife and the other people were massacred, and then you know like when he's at the the the, the destroyed church and he hugs the, and he hugs his son, but then it, it's just a tree and stuff. And I think like those kind of moments, like you know those moments that flash up every now and then, they're kind of just to keep that kind of core theme of revenge in the back of your mind until the last thirty minutes. I think that's true. I think that's true. But I do have a question about that, actually, and I th- I, I'm concerned that I have some sort of fundal, uh, fundamental misunderstanding of the story because we learn, like, halfway through the movie through one of these delirium, uh, delirious sequences that you're talking about that Tom Hardy seems to have been involved in some way of, of killing his Leo's wife, the original raiding of their village. But did Leo know that before? He was hanging out with old mate Tom. No, I, I, th- I he, he wasn't involved. But I think that's, I think Leo is imagining that him in that role now. You know. Oh, okay. So he's kind of putting Tom Hardy's face on the face of the the, the, the lieutenant he killed. And that's, oh, was it? You know? Is that what happened? Was was there a scene with his face? There, there was a quick shot where Tom Hardy was dressed up as a. I guess, I don't know, I guess he'd be a US captain or some shit, I don't know, as some sort of army dude, and he was, like, killing people in Leo's village. So I was confused about that. No, I don't I don't think he was actually involved, but I actually don't even remember what you're talking about, but if that was the case, then I think it's just Hugh in his mind. Because now that, now that Tom Hardy's character's killed, you know, his son, the last part of that, of the re or whatever. Is it the re? Was that the thing? Um, he's kind of just putting him in that in that part in that in that position now. Yeah. Mm, okay, okay. 
all of these factors I'm talking about, whether it's my own fault for being, you know, not understanding the movie, maybe combined with Tom Hardy's character just lacking any depth, all these kind of factors for me are just combining for me to not even give a shit about this quest, about this revenge. I don't, I don't care. I don't really care about Leo at all in the movie. You know, it sucks what he goes through. It's pretty, you know, stiff shit, obviously. But, yeah, it just, none of it really works for me to have strong enough empathy for him and genuine enough dislike for Tom Hardy for me to really be rooted in that quest. So then when we get to the end of that final confrontation, I'm just kind of there left, like, shrugging. Yeah, I guess... I kind of feel that way on what you said about, like, Leo's progression not being satisfying, you know, like, um, yeah. um, Jane, uh, uh, Jane said, like, I always feel like it's, I can't remember exactly what he said, I don't know what words it's now, but, like, it's a revenge story, kind of like John Brick or whatever, but, like, I feel like other revenge stories have this kind of, even if they're in a more traditional Hollywood structure, they kind of... You know, it's always kind of small victories and that lead up to the big thing. And it just kind of feels like a lot of the same surviving, Leo surviving uh, for a couple of hours and then the big fight instead of kind of, you know, I mean, it, it, I guess it's intentional, but right. it's not that satisfying for me because it's not like, you know, it's not like kind of... Um, yeah, there's no fights that kind of lead up to the big fight, or there's no. I mean, yeah, as you said, it's just kind of the moment to moment is not uh, very interesting. Of yeah, time, I guess. Yeah, it, it just feels a bit. Yeah, those moments feel a bit disjointed to me. I think you're onto something when you say that. Yeah, this doesn't in that way follow that traditional revenge story structure where I guess the equivalent of the small victories you're talking about throughout the film, throughout the narrative, you know, would be these moments of survival that he's having, would be finding food, would be stumbling upon the different camps and different people along the way. But I guess that's that equivalent, but the difference for me is that none of those things have to do with Tom Hardy. None of those things have to do with the revenge quest other than just getting to the end point physically you know, which is fine. But that's why I kind of just see this more as just a general story of a man surviving to get to the camp and then in the last 20 minutes can get his revenge as opposed to the overarching story feeling, like, cohesive in that way. Yeah, but, I mean, like, it's it's not your traditional revenge story, though, because, I mean, like, you know, typically I I assume what we're thinking about, what we have in our mind is modern-day ones or, you know, at least ones from 90s, 80s, something like that where, you know, there's technology and it's much more accessible to get around and shit. Whereas, I mean, these two people, they're split by, you know, hundreds of kilometres of, of harsh terrain and, you know, there's, there's, there's there, you know, there's obviously doubt in Lyra's mind that he will actually get there. I mean, you know, it's only a determination to do it that keeps him going, but he doesn't know for sure he'll get back. So, I mean, like, I don't think that, I don't think that the small victories really need to do with Tom Hardy because he is so isolated, he is so far away, you know. No, that that's a great point. And I guess, yeah, I guess I don't know if I would have wanted that either. I think, and, I, you know, I don't want to 
speak too freely just in case, you know, like there's a very good chance if they had done what I'm saying that it could have been worse. I've got no idea. But I think on paper that potentially what could have helped me was keep the the moments themselves the same. He doesn't, yeah, he doesn't have to be like stumbling through the woods looking for Tom Hardy's tracks necessarily. Nothing, you know, that explicit. But make it, I don't know, clearer to me that the entire time he is kind of being driven by this hatred for Tom Hardy specifically. And maybe, yeah, like I said, maybe that ends up being a bit too on the nose. But I feel like on paper it would have helped the movie. And at the same time, kind of do something different with Tom Hardy that isn't just, I'm going to steal your money, kill you, and run. Maybe do something more interesting with him. Especially when he does, he is given screen time with those monologues that I feel like go nowhere. I feel like that was an opportunity for a bit of depth that kind of would have spurred me on a bit. But it kind of, yeah, it, it kind of didn't work for me in that way. I wish well, it did. There, there was never the intention for him to steal the money until he found out that glass was a lie, you know? Because like it, 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 earlier when he was mm. talking to a Sid, I forget his name, you know, he, he, does, he does talk about going down to Texas and getting a farm or whatever. And even at the end, you know, when he claims his $300, that's what he still talks about. And it's only once he find, once they find that canteen, that water bottle or whatever, that he realizes that he's going to be fucked if he stays there. So that's why it's kind of just a last-minute, irrational dash and gra- grab and dash, you know? Mm, you're probably right. You're probably right. Well, from the story perspective, you definitely are right. The thing that throws me off about that, though, is that as soon as he arrives back and, and he's in little Dom old Gleason's cabin, and, you know, there is that shot where he yeah. deliberately takes note of where the money is. Now, I understand, yeah, obviously, absolutely. within the film itself, that's just meant to, you know, put that in the back of the audience's mind for later. So I think you're totally right. But nonetheless, the fact that they do that shot, the fact that they choose to shoot the scene that way, already puts in my brain immediately, okay, he's going to steal the money. And then that kind of is counterintuitive to the story then. Mm. And that's a small thing, but. Yeah. That didn't um no that that didn't occur to me because um, oh okay okay yeah I fi- I forgot that he sold the money um I just thought he ran and then yeah until until rewatching obviously I saw but um yeah right okay yeah 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 everything in the film well, leads to the to the last twenty minutes of actual revenge stuff which is cool uh old Domhnall Gleeson gets shot which was sad dude Domhnall Gleeson's great I love seeing him in everything I uh, I've seen him in so far but uh. I really appreciated that Leo, the, the little strategic place, which he acted as the dead body. That was cool. Uh, and then from there, it kind of incited into, or rather progressed into, I don't know, you're pretty straightforward, generic, to, uh, what would you call it? I don't know, like tussle on the ground, rolling over each other, putting the knife to each other's chest. Sometimes it, um, it felt like a video game to me, like, um, the way they, you know, Tom Hardy drops his gun, then Leo, when he rolls down the hill, his gun drops. So now they're in, like, the, you know, the fight sequence mode. Right. <laughs> and the way the camera moves is going over the again sometimes. Yeah, I see that. I see that. I think the score does a lot for that whole scene. I noticed it particularly there. I thought it was really strong. It seemed to be using, I know shit all about music creation, but it seemed to be using some sort of, tribal instruments at least that's kind of what i heard um and i thought that was cool that was a unique flair to the scene that added tension the problem was yeah what was actually occurring on screen i think you're totally right 
it was very 101. It's like if you approach me and ask, oh, mate, Zach, yo, can you please write us a final confrontation between two individuals, you know, in a dramatic fashion? I'd be like, okay, they they tackle each other. They try and, you know, stab each other in the chest and, like, force each other, force the knife onto the other's chest. And it's just, I don't know, it seemed very straightforward. Like, I've seen this tens of times in my life. Yeah, but, I mean, like, it's real life. I mean, real life isn't overly complex. I mean, like, quote-unquote real life, but, you know, yeah. You know, true shit isn't overly complicated. You know that that's complication and depth comes in stories, whereas you know, mm. living it is is just you know the truth and it's simple. You know, and like I guess you know a confrontation of just you know two dudes going at it with a knife that, that's simple and that's that's what it's meant to be. I feel mm. like I feel like this is complicated. Like I feel like it was real life. One person would just stab the other. No, yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously they got to add a bit of drama for the film, but like you know, to because I mean, like you're talking about it just being a play by play by the numbers final confrontation, but you know, like what what could they have done to keep it within the same grounded shit without you know? No, I actually like their final. I actually like oh, okay, final right. Finny, it sounds like you didn't know, right? Yeah, yeah, no, no, I just thought it was generic. I just thought it was kind of dull. Yeah, so I guess I didn't like it. Well, what did you like about it, Fitzy? Oh, I just. Yeah, I thought I thought it was like satisfying enough. Um, okay. Not necessarily because of its realism, but I thought it was I don't know, a well choreographed fight. I guess I just I just like everything from Leo arriving at the base and you know, uh, Don Hall and Sid fighting, and then Leo tracing the tracks and everything. I just find that very entertaining uh, up to yeah, up to the last minute, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Let me search up Sid's name so I can actually call him by his character's name. Oh yeah, good call. <laughs> <laughs> I know his, uh, the actor's Will Poulter, but I can't remember his name. The, uh... Oh, that is it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good call. That's so yeah, Sid. That's so good. I see him to wear that skin. Bridger. That's what it is. Bridger. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I I can see that. I can see it. It's just. Mm. I um. It it feels like it works for the movie. Sorry, Fitzhugh. I I think um. What's Tom Hardy's, uh, what was his name in the movie as well? Fitzgerald. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, Fitzgerald, like, him, him calling Bridger boy every second, second kind of speaks to what you're talking about, that kind of just painting him as this, you know, inherently evil kind of character, constantly, like, demeaning him and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I it, it feels... Sorry. Sorry, sorry. It, it feels like in every way, like the movie's just going out of its way to just remind me that this dude, this dude, don't like him. I kind of see the boy as more of an endearment. It probably is more of a talking down thing, but he kind of does seem to take on, not necessarily paternal, but he does, he does try to teach him stuff throughout their journey back. So I kind of just see the boy as more of a, you know, mm. not not infect, not not affectionate or something. Like you know, it, it, it's it's not entirely demeaning. But that conclusion to that relationship is interesting. It's just that, yeah, the, the dynamic between the two characters never really engaged me enough to care. That's fair. I guess because Bridget never... Like, if it, it is what you're talking about, Jane, with uh, Fitzgerald kind of trying to teach Bridget or something, like, Bridget never lent into Fitzgerald or never kind of went for him to be taught anything. 
Like he never acted as the kind of son. Yeah, no, that's that's also fair. But I, 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 I don't I don't necessarily think of it as a son role, but I think that Fitz, Fitzgerald always cared about the people that he was on the expedition with. Like from the start he's telling, you know, uh Gleaso, you know, how much men he lost and, you know, this guy's gonna die because of this or whatever and stuff. So I think I think Fitzgerald always cared and that, you know, Bridger was just the last one there that he could care for, and that's why he, he did, you know. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, the, the whole final confrontation thing, I think it, to all your points, I think feel like it works fine for the movie and what the movie is in terms of being this this grounded, realistic thing. I think that's fine. Obviously, it does have this, the added spicy drama to it. That's fine. I don't really take issue with that. It's just that I, I also wish that, for me, if it is taking this grounded approach, if it is going to do so in a way that's pretty straightforward, I wish there was something thematically to kind of, for me to latch on to, for me to be able to be fully invested in that. Because the dialogue we get, like, I think when Tom Hardy dies, it's, you know, it's like, nothing's going to bring your boy back. Revenge is in God's hands and Leo kicks him in the river. It's like, all right, cool. I don't know. It, It just feels... It feels a bit uninspired from a pure narrative perspective. Is that okay? This is this is the kind of story we're telling here. I haven't heard this a thousand times. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I can I can seem to agree with that. Yeah, and you know maybe that is just kind of what I value in movies more. I do really enjoy that side of films, and you know, in the screenplays and, and the themes that are explored and things like that. So. I can see why, you know, this movie would be beloved from a pure filmmaking perspective, you know. And I de- definitely didn't, like, strongly dislike it. But I'm sorry, I shouldn't I shouldn't cut myself off too early. But let's get to the actual ending, right? So, uh, so what the hell happens at the end here? We got the Native Americans kind of who, they've got this whole subplot in the movie the whole time, and they are trying to find their daughter. They ride past Leo. And that's the same one Leo saved, right? Like earlier in the French camp? Right, okay, okay. So was the whole idea of that meant to be something along the lines of, you know, this journey that Leo went on was it was worth it in some way or that it was beneficial if you, you know, because of how he was able to reunite these people? It's kind of what I read it as, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's I, I don't really read too much into that. But thinking about it now, I, I think back to like um, like earlier on when the when the uh, the Pawnees first go to the French and they ask them for the horse, he tell he you know the the leader tells them about the injustices of how they came and they took everything from them, and it's like, mm. you know they have the right to, to to you know they have their right to to do what they need, and I kind of just see like perhaps you know in. DiCaprio's like uh, uh, glass saw that you know them exacting revenge on Fitzgerald was more of their that was more something for for them to undertake rather than him because they had they suffered the greater injustice and that's why he gave them over to them and that's ah okay huh I don't know I thought about I'm that just anymore. bullshitting like complete yeah but you might not be wrong that's fair I think the, the only reason I, I want to talk about that scene just I want to read into it a little bit. Just because the way it's presented in the movie, you know, when Tom Hardy is on the other side of the river there 
and the Native Americans like slowly ride past Leo, like staring at him for like a minute. That whole exchange feels like super we're trying to convey something to you right now. And maybe I'm wrong, but it does feel like the filmmakers are trying to bring something together thematically there. It doesn't just feel like a random scene where they're just like, yo, what's up, dude? Give you a wave and keep riding. That would feel weird otherwise. All right, well, there you go. We got two We got two ideas there. That's fine. But how do you guys feel about the actual the actual final shot of the movie? Uh, where old mate Glass, he, he, he stares into the camera and he pants a lot. I think the final shot really great. Yeah? I just enjoyed it. Kind of, it's weird because I don't think there's another shot where that's true i think i think that is that's definitely what the shot's trying to be i think it is meant to be a sort of reflect a reflective sort of moment for the audience and i think that's kind of what the panting is too and stuff it's just kind of meant to be where like look back on this journey we've been through with this dude and He's kind of acknowledging our existence of how crazy that whole thing was and kind of a cool note to leave the movie on. I thought I thought it was okay. I don't know. I just, yeah, I think it does just go back to if I cared about the survival, if I cared about the journey more, then that would have an impact. Otherwise, the whole looking to the camera trope is quite specific and I think it can work. It didn't work for me here, but if I was engrossed, it would. So I think that just comes down to that subjective element. I mean, there are so many moments throughout the movie that Leo kind of experiences. Uh, what are some highlights we, sh- we haven't touched on? There is the falling off the cliff. That was kind of strange. I think the relationship with um, that other dude he finds along the way, that's Ed and the Bison. Oh, yeah. You know, and like, like, like that development there, and then he dies, which is a shame. Yeah, how does he die again? He gets I forgot. by the French. Oh, that's right. Hanged. Mm. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's true. I think I think that, I think that that moment was meant to be not 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 obviously not his death is meant it's not meant to be a win. But I think you know him finding that that man. And, um, I think he kind of it, it you know that's um. I don't know. I, th- I think it helped him finish him finish off his journey because without that dude, he'd be fucked. I mean, because like that dude heals, mm. and he, he 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 shelters him, and you know whatever else. So I mean, I think that that yeah. wanted to be a little win that we we're talking about before. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Definitely, they kind of hang out for a bit, and after he's been swimming for a bit, one of my favorite little moments in the movie. We're talking about these little beats. Was when he's in the river, and all the like all the Native Americans kind of spring up from all different spots like on top of the cliff above him and around the side and he's like trying to crawl back into the river and he ends up having to swim away i like that a lot just the way it was shot like with the camera always right with him i felt that kind of uh claustrophobia there i thought it was really cool did somebody say trivia just no. what i thought no. <laughs> so uh this film was shot chronologically, which is insane. It was shot chronologically on an 80-day schedule that took place over a total principal photography time period of nine months. So uh, so the delay that we talked about earlier would have kind of got, uh, been in the middle of that, I suppose. The, cinemato- the cinematographer talked about how, yeah, well, I already mentioned this earlier, but 
how much of the plan and, and how difficult the shoot was to plan and how lengthy it was and all that because of the decision to only shoot with natural light for maximum realism, which is insane. So that means there was only a few shooting hours available every day for them and what they needed. So they had to be carefully planned in advance. Dude, whenever, you know, these filmmakers go above and beyond to commit to a vision of what they want the movie to be visually and they have to friggin' change everything about their production around that, I admire that. It'd be a pain in the ass, but it's very cool. Didn't they have to use – I think there was one time they had to use, a, like, artificial light because one of the campfires just didn't light the scene correctly, you know? I was like, was, is it, was that – yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that that's right. I, yeah, they they said, uh, what was it? They said, yeah, the only time they don't use artificial light in the movie is a scene next to a campfire, and they had to lay down light globes just to make the fire stable, or you know, make the light source stable rather. But, I mean, there's a few campfire scenes in there, so for for them to only need it once, you know, good job. Yeah, definitely. Um, I've got a piece of trivia for the film, actually. Oh my god! Um, the composer. Uh, Ryuichi Sakamoto, I think so he said. Um, I watched this documentary about him a couple of weeks ago, and he uh, he got cancer before the uh, like half a year or so before the film, you know, before they were started production or whatever. And it was kind of it was supposed to be his like last collaboration or soundtrack role, kind of, um, just because he liked uh. In Yurito's film so much. So, yeah, he did that. He, he's done a lot of, like, like, um, soundscape kind of soundtracks, like, uh, uh, Machine was saying. So, he's still alive, but, um, yeah, it was supposed to be, like, oh, a last big project. Awesome. Awesome. His music was very impressive. I liked it a lot. This movie was Leo's first win for Best Actor. I mean, I, I know it is obviously inherently unfair. I don't want to do the thing. It's like, well, his performances in other movies were way better. They should have won then. It's like, well, obviously every year the field and competition that he has to win the award is way different. So it's like not really a fair comparison. But uh, I thought I did like his performance. It's definitely just inherently not my cup of tea when it comes to performances I really dig, but... This is definitely very different for him, and I can imagine it was probably a great challenge. Yeah. I mean, he just talks shit all the time about it, uh, you know, like whenever someone. Well, I, I, I think it was Year Ten Media when like someone talked a bit when uh, you know they said, um, you know, Lair won the Lair won the uh, acting order for this sort of thing, and 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 you turned to me and go somehow, and I was like, holy, <laughs> I was like, what the fuck. <laughs> And and, oh and then I find out you haven't even seen, like, you haven't watched it properly. I was, I was like, jeez, Finny. I know. I'm pretty unfair, aren't I? Yeah. Often. Often. Yeah. Like I said, I definitely prefer, like, almost every other performance I've seen him with, but, or seen him in. But, uh, but yeah, no, there's no dying. This was great. And I appreciate that at least, you know, if he's going to get that win, I appreciate that he got it for something that was kind of new to him. And it wasn't just like, oh, Leo's doing Leo. Good for him. He gets an award for it. So, I mean, he, he does deserve a, an award for just being Leo. I mean, like, yeah. Let's, let's be honest. Just for existing? Yeah. Sure. Let's give our final verdict on The Revenant. How about you kick us off, Fitzy? I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10. Um, I do find it uh, 
pretty boring for most of it, but I have to uh, respect every all the technical elements. The cinematography and the soundtrack is amazing, and I do enjoy the film more as it goes on. So, China, eight out of ten. Um, an eight out of ten is what I gave it the first time, and I stuck with it this time. Although this time I did enjoy it less, but that's just due to I think it's just due to how close I've seen it in since like last time. To granted, it's been it's been you know a few years, but still, I think when I watched it the first time, it wasn't a film that I, I needed to see again for you know at least five right. years. Definitely, yeah, I can't imagine seeing this again in the next five years either. Yeah, I'll, I'll give the movie a five out of ten. As soon as it finished, I was confident I'd give it a four because I didn't I didn't think the story really was interesting or it didn't work on any level. I just thought the screenplay was kind of dull. You know, still of course have all the respect for the technical aspects of it. But uh you guys you guys have won me over slightly on the story side. I do think that thinking about the character choices, thinking about the climactic moments, even though I don't like them, even though I'm not really engaged by them whatsoever. I do think you've kind of won me over in that. I think they do work for what the movie is and what its identity and what it's trying to be in terms of this grounded experience. I think that's cool. I think, yeah, dude, you know, obviously we mentioned everything visually, technically, score, all that's terrific. But for me, it is that overarching, all of that comes together to create this sense of scale. That's just really the main positive, the main takeaway I have from the movie in that, what I think about looking back on this movie in years to come will be, dude, that was such a big feeling movie. And that's hard to achieve. So I appreciate everyone that made that happen. Nice. 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 Uh, let's get into news chat. We got some we got some cracking stories this week. We got some this is gonna be a roller coaster of a news chat, I know, for for, for some of us, for all of us. Yeah, actually, yeah, for all of us, I think. Uh Let's get our release date swaps out of the way, okay? So June has been pushed so far, Hmm. so goddamn far, to October 2021, taking the Batman's original spot in the Warner Brothers lineup. Um, The Batman was then delayed to March 2022. So that one's not as bad. That's like a five-month thing, I think. Yeah, but that's still still an extra five months from what was the original date. October, yeah. October. No, but, but prior to that, October. Oh, I, I, did it have an original date I thought before it, that? I thought it did because I thought it had already been pushed Ooh. back once. No. Well, I mean, if not. No, you might be right. If you might be right. It might have been July. Yeah. So that's not as bad, but hey, still five more months to see that movie. That's, that's you know, that's still a bit disappointing. But guys, don't panic. Don't panic, everyone, okay? Because Warner Brothers, they're coming in to save us. Hear this out. The Matrix 4 has been moved forward to December 2021. How exciting is that? We're going to get to see The Matrix before The Batman. Oh, I'm so excited. We're going to do our review. It's going to be great. Um, yeah. I'm actually on the same level pretty much. Matrix 4, that's huge. I mean, I'm excited for it too, don't get me wrong. I'm surprised you're as excited for it. So, yeah, so yeah, this is pretty disappointing, I'm sure, for you, Fitzy, especially for June. That was a, that's a long push. Um, but it makes sense, you know, they still need to get Wonder Woman out this year. That's been completely thwarted so many times, and I'm sure they didn't want both of those at the end of this year in December. Yeah, it's to be expected, I guess. Yeah, this, this deep, deep sigh, this is what we're dealing with at the moment, but, you know, first world problems, whatever. 
I won't cry that much. Uh, we had this Mank teaser. So this is a film, we talked about it months ago, I forgot that we had done that, but it's about the making of Citizen Kane. Is it a Netflix film? Am I wrong about that? Yeah, Netflix. Sweet. And it's got Gary Oldman, I think? Yeah. yeah. Oh, great, I nailed it. How, how was this teaser? Which, uh, which one of you guys watched it? I think we both did, didn't we? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it sounds good. Uh, David Fincher is very consistent director, great director. For sure. What's the date on this one? Do we know? Soon-ish, I'm pretty sure. Like, December-ish, I think. Very good. Dude, Netflix have been coming out with some quality releases, and whenever I first hear about them, I feel like they're always releasing really soon, so that's cool. Has David Fincher worked with Gary Oldman? Oh, okay, okay. That's Yeah, that's not far at all. Has Gary Oldman worked with David Fincher before? I don't think so. Was he in The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo? I don't think he was. No, it doesn't seem he has. Oh, well, never mind. Uh, last but not least, we had this new Free Guy trailer, I guess to coincide with its new release date of December, because this movie was meant to be out months ago at this point. Um, I didn't see this new trailer. I watched the first trailer back in the day. But uh, who? What, did you both watch this new one or just Jaden? God. Okay. Yeah, it was all right. I mean... It, it, like, I mean, like, you know what's going to happen, like, right now. Like, it's, it, it, it seems pretty predictable, I guess. I mean, like, it, it's a safe movie, and I guess that's what they're going for, really. They're just going for entertainment and nothing overly crazy. Um, kind of yeah. like Ready Player One, um, a bit with, like, in terms of, like, you know, the shutdown of the, uh, the game and stuff and the, and stuff. I, I don't know. It kind of gave me that vibe, but with a bit different, um, yeah, right. yeah, I, I, yeah. I, haven't, I haven't really got much to say about it. Yeah, yeah. The first trailer didn't really excite me. I mean, like, the premise is interesting, I guess. It's kind of different maybe for, you know, for a, a mainstream Hollywood film to do something like that, so that's cool. It does seem kind of, yeah, I feel like I get pretty bored of it pretty quick. You know what? I don't understand that. What? Why some people don't like Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool in uh, X-Men Origins. Wolverine. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh. I actually really like his dead villain. That movie. Do you love the part when his head's chopped off and the laser eyeball beams are still coming out and it knocks down the whole tower for no reason? One of the best parts of the movie, yes. Oh, it was amazing. It was amazing. It was good. All right, now it's time for the return, the much-anticipated return of our highlights of the week. Uh, Jaden, what have you been watching this week? What are, what's your highlight? Yeah, okay. Um, it's not my highlight, but it's something I had a lot of thoughts about. I watched um, Paprika, which is this 2006 uh, animated film. Um, uh, it's it's Japanese, and um, it's um, it's notoriously, um, Inception is notoriously compared to it, and quite often people will say that Nolan has stolen from it or that Inception is a ripoff. But I mean, like watching the film, they're they they're, they're nothing alike, um, other than the fact that they have shit to do with going with people going into other people's dreams. Um, mm. There are there are a few shots that are very similar to, as well. To be honest, like there's a, a but it's only three shots, and that's the thing. I mean, it's it's three shots, and people are calling you know Nolan a hack that rips off other films. 
But if someone else was to do it, they'd say, oh, it's a wonderful homage and tribute. Like, fuck off, honestly. It's not. It's just, <laughs> it's just now that no one's going mainstream, that everyone's just fucking hating, hating on him for some reason. But, you know. Um, yeah, and, like, the, the, the idea that that Paprika, uh, that, that Nolan just ripped Paprika is also not true because Nolan was, was working on the script for Inception for, like, some eight years or some shit as, like, a passion project. So, I mean, right. even, even that, so even, you know, the idea that, you know, he stole this core premise is, is false. Um, watch, watching it, it's hard not to point out similarities, but it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's also easy to, to, to see how different it truly is. And because Paprika is an anime and is very well aware that it is an anime, it takes a lot of liberties and can do what you only can in that medium. And that's once again, that's something that just sets it apart. And I mean, like, it's, it, I, I, I just don't understand the, like, I mean, oh, sorry, I do understand the comparison because it is easy to compare them, but, um, it's definitely not, like, Inception definitely does not rip it off. Um, but getting that out of the way, Paprika was pretty good. Um, banging score. Um, really nice animation and a good story. Very cool. Very cool. I've never heard of this. Wait, what year did this come out? 2006. Oh, I see. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. I just had the thought, your, your initial comment when I transitioned to you, Jaden. That uh, this is called highlights of the week. I never intended for it to be highlights in terms of the most positive thing you watch, just in terms of like the the main thing you want to talk about that you watch. Uh, should I should it be renamed then? Because I can totally see where that confusion is. No, no, we'll keep it as highlight of the week. It's fine. All right, all right. Now that you've yeah, had a clear okay. definition, it's um, you know, it's all, okay. Yeah. Anyway, what about you, Fitzy? Well, um, seeing as you've just defined highlights of the week, I'm gonna go against that definition and. Name two films. Uh, oh no! The first is a uh, an action film that I rewatched. Might I've heard of it. Might not if it's called um, Die Hard with um, Bruce Willis and uh, Alan Rickman. Um, it's just a it's just a perfect film. You know, it's just a perfect action film. Um, yeah. Great. Great. Uh, you know, pacing and build up, and Alan Rickman's performance is just uh, amazing. He's a great, sophisticated villain, and uh, the way they use the tower is really great. How, um, like every part of the story is kind of told from different parts of the tower and outside of it. And uh, one thing I really love about it is the use of uh, music in the film. Um, Ota Joy is used, uh, Ota Joy is used in it, and, uh, when the, when the criminals come in, it's kind of a slow build up, but, uh, later in the film, it's kind of reintroduced, and in a kind of climactic scene, it kind of just all comes together in, uh, in great, uh, musical fashion. Um, yeah. And, uh, there's so many, just great things about the film. So yeah. The fact that I haven't seen this movie is a crime. It, it's one of the few remaining, I feel like, classic films that I just haven't seen yet. Oh yeah. Surely, I mean, surely you've seen it, like scenes of it, like on TV or whatever. I've seen scenes of the sequels. I think. I'm pretty sure I've never seen scenes from this first one. Oh yeah. I'm pretty sure it's widely regarded as like the sequels are just, you know, they don't exist. I mean, it's, it's, it's Die Hard and there's no... There's I think you're out. right. Yeah, I've heard that too. Yeah, I mean, the last one's just ass. <laughs> the 
one with his son is just terrible. Interview with the Vampire is my other highlight. Uh, it's basically Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise and um, just as vampires. It's just very interesting. Um, it, it's kind of campy and very, you know, in that kind of uh, not cliche, but like you know, gothic kind of vampire-ish ways. And but it's uh, very stylish and fun. And Tom Cruise is is uh, he's kind of the villain in the film. Um, he's kind of like the cheeky villain who like seduces Brad Pitt into vampirism and he always wants him by his side but Brad Pitt doesn't want to eat people he wants to eat rats it's like a moral conflict and uh him and him and Tom Cruise and uh what what's her name uh oh it was uh, MJ from Spider Spider-Man as a young girl Oh, Kirsten Dunst? Yeah, young Kirsten Dunst. Um, basically, they travel the world looking for the vampires and stuff. And yeah, it's just really fun. Um, Is it a comedy? <laughs> um, not really. It's I guess you can see it as a comedy, uh, but it's kind of a semi-serious drama, I guess. Okay, okay. Uh, but it doesn't take itself too seriously, so it's kind of fun to make way, I guess. Cool, oh, yeah. Sure. God, I've never heard of it. Yeah, well, apparently it was, like, very big at the time uh, that it came out. Everyone was reading the book and watching the movie and stuff. But, uh, right. Huh. I didn't get to talk about... Oh, jeez. Dude, I, how do you say this movie's name? Incendies and Sendies? Which one is it? I think it's, like, Alessandi. Oh, God, I'm way off. It is, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, okay, I mean, I'm no friend speaker, so I'll just I'll just botch it on purpose. Incendies. Okay, I'll go with that. Whatever. I, I want to chat to you guys about this movie because I know I kind of watched it on the recommendation of how high your scores were for it, and I just don't. Th- I don't think I really understand why this movie's so amazing. I thought it was good. I liked it enough, but I just had enough weird niggles with it and issues with it that I just, I couldn't really take away anything away from it. That was where I thought, gee, that was great. You know, Denis' direction is, you know, of course, terrific. And I really like the way he presents the whole Middle Eastern setting. But the story was kind of whatever. I don't know. What is so amazing about this movie? I need to be kind of, I feel like, sold on it even after seeing it a little bit. I don't know. I like, oh, I just like so much about it. Um... Okay. Just the characters, the story, uh, the epic kind of revelation of the journey. Uh, yeah. Uh, what were your problems with it, I guess? I, don't know. I didn't really like any of the characters except, like, Narwhal I liked enough, I guess, enough for the, for the story to at least engage me from her perspective. I didn't give a shit about her kids. I didn't. I didn't care about their journey. You know, their beat by beat of going to each just clue for the next person to talk to. And often, like I think, if I'm remembering correctly, the vast majority of the time, the information they find out, the audience already knows anyway. So it just felt a bit strange. I think the only revelation 
they get that we didn't already know was the big twist, which was kind of just really silly. I didn't really understand. The, the, the twist was just weird. It felt like super shock value stuff that I don't really understand what how it adds to the movie thematically. I don't know. I don't know. I, I didn't, yeah, I don't know. The characters, the story was just fell flat for me in the end. I think that's just the key difference because I, I like nothing falls flat for me. I just, like uh, it's. I think everything's brilliant. I think the story is fantastic. I think that final twist is fantastic. I love the characters. I love everything about that film, and I, I just think that might be fun, the fundamental difference between us in watching it. I guess. Sure, sure. But anyway, yeah, yeah, no, I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot. I think that I think maybe I did suffer from having it hot. Not hot. You guys didn't like. Don't get me wrong. You guys didn't shout at me yo this movie's the best thing ever like that didn't happen but just from seeing the scores i kind of built a reputation in my head about it that's probably you know the victim of that sort of thing i think i might have uh, raved about it back back in a uh, back a few years ago i didn't realize that was this movie okay right yeah no that, that makes sense yeah. that makes sense no i just love the way that denny uses you know the two radiohead songs like you know using um you and whose army at the start as they showed the kid's head as it's just like slowly it zooms in or zooms out. I can't recall. Um, zooms in. Yeah, it slowly zooms in on his face. It, it, it's just brilliant and daunting. And then, um, like spinning plates, fits the film so well later on when he uses it too. It's it's just I like I just thought that was great. That was really cool. Yeah, the opening stuff was really striking. I thought, as always. Now we will hand the show over to you, so it's not on us anymore. Haha. <laughs> With our question of the show uh, last week, we asked you. What's your favourite... God, I don't want to get the wrong way around either. Uh, oh, no, I'm confused because I'm seeing Lachlan's movie answer right in front of game. me. That's right. That's right. Movie or television adaptation of a game. So I probably shouldn't read Lockie's first then because, yeah, I should. Henry got it right, so I'll read his first. Here we go. Uh, Henry said, I think Castlevania is probably my favourite video game to TV adaptation as someone who hasn't played a Castlevania game in my life. The animation is fantastic. Characters are great, and it's all around a really fun time. Henry's answer is correct. Uh, Lockie said, mine would definitely be Telltale's The Walking Dead series. So Telltale's The Walking Dead series, for those who don't know, is a video game. So he's got the question reversed, but that's totally fine. I really don't mind. Don't worry, Lockie, we don't we don't dislike you any more than we already do. Uh, the whole first and second seasons are just amazing and heartbreaking. I just love all of Clementine's story arcs, and it's just an all-around perfect character will always be remembered lee wow what a <laughs> dropping a spoiler oh my god i could have censored that too and i really didn't so that's on me too sorry about that you see the walking dead in itself is based on a comic book so he's actually wrong there as well in saying that he's it was talking about mm. game based on a comic book so i mean really messed up dude we, we were going to ask that next week we were going to ask what your favorite adaptations of comic books were but you blew it so stuffed it cheers Cheers. Cheers. What are our answers? I'm with Henry on Castlevania. 100% really enjoyed that show. I've talked about it before. Yeah. I just love that whole world. I love the the games as well for creating that world. I haven't played them too extensively, but seeing that brought to life in anime was pretty sick. Oh, no, I said anime. I watched it. Quick. Jaden. I don't know. Something I kind of struggled with, um, and I I realize I haven't really seen that much. I think Silent Hill and Tomb Raider, like the new, the newest one, are decent. But I think my favorite one is Detective Pikachu. 
for like any right. for any like Pokemon movie for that fact. Like I like I just I just love Pokemon films and I think like Detective Pikachu like you know there's live action ones so we'll just talk about that one because it's a bit different. Um, I think it's great. I think the humor is great. I think I, I really like the story and it's you know it's got enough emotion and it's you know I, I think I think it's great. You know, great. I've got that on my Netflix list. I haven't watched it though. Yeah, I've seen it twice and I loved it both times. It's um, it's, it's really it's really good. Yeah. Uh, cool. Yeah, I mean, okay. Yeah. I mean, like if if, if you like Pokemon, I, I really don't. Yeah, you know, it, it's hard to not like the film. I think. You can't go no. wrong. Well, it's the only one I think I could find, so... Uh, <laughs> Doom. What? Doom? No. Um, this is, uh, wait, hold on. What's going <laughs> um, Prince of Persia, Sands of Time. Uh, uh, oh. Uh, yeah, that ass. Yeah, I, I've, I've heard that's bad. Does it just win by default for you? No, it's it's a great Jake Gyllenhaal movie. Um, I actually really liked it when it came out in the uh, theaters. So. Have you seen it, Jake? Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's an X-Men origin situation. No. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I was at, at a, uh, a birthday party. I went to the movies. And yeah, that that doesn't make it good, then. No, but it was very fun. It's very good. It was, yeah, it was very fun. It's probably still good. So, yeah. I mean, sure, Jake, sure. Jake Hall, is it time travel? Do you think? Um, do you think video game adaptations should kind of keep like the, a video gamey feel? Like, you, like I, I know in like the in the recent Tomb Raider, like there's a section where like the boat kind of like gets fucked up and she has to, like climb it, and it feels very, like a very video game like type thing. Do you think that films should keep like that kind of element in? Oh. To like acknowledge where they're coming from, or do you think they should just remove it and just you know embrace the new medium entirely? Mm, mm, that's interesting. I, I don't know. I, th- I feel like it should depend on what the film is and what it's going for. Is that is that so? That Tomb Raider movie is decent. Yeah, I quite enjoyed it. Yeah. Okay. I think okay. Uh, yeah, I've, I've had that on my radar. Yeah, I've got the uh, uh, the score by uh, Junkie XL. Or Tom Hulkenberg, I think his name is, 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 is also where it goes by. It's pretty good. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like totally it depends on the movie. I don't know if I, I, I want to see that a lot. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't think it should be a, a, a feature often. But, like, when I do see it, I, 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 I like it because, you know. Yeah. yeah. You can add a bit of character to a film. Like, I don't know if I want to see it in this Uncharted movie. I don't even know if I want to see that movie anyway, but... Mm-hmm. I guess it will depend on that tra- on that trailer or whatever, but uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a good question, though. Could have saved that for us. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, very good. Thanks everyone for tuning into Cinema Effect this week. We appreciate you as always. What are we watching next week, Fitzy? We're doing Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which is on Spain. It's a 2019 French film. Uh, oh, it's French, is it? I didn't even know that. No, you're going to hate it. Yeah, I'm going to I mean, it's, 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 it's a French film. It's a period piece. It's a slow drama. You're going to hate it. <laughs> the only thing that'd make it worse is if it were black and white. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Well, I was disappointed that this was a 2019 film. I thought maybe we'd get another 2020 film in here to add to the 
films I've seen this year, but alas. 2020 in Australia. <laughs> oh, was it? Okay. Oh, well. All right. Anyway, uh, what else do I have to say? Social media links are in the description. If you want, you can rewind back to the start of the episode where I told you to do all those things and do them again. You know, it's up to you. But uh, anyway, guys, cheers for joining me. Yeah. 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 Have a great, have a great rest of your week and goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.